0: Well, good morning, New Hope. Before uh, my lovely bride, Erin, and I started dating, she went to go seek out counsel from a, a prayer warrior, a mentor and a godly friend to both of us at the first church where we met. Her name was Ursula Engel. And Erin had some feelings for me I don't know why but uh, she wanted to kind of, you know, get Ursula's idea. you know, Would this be a good thing to uh, hook up with this crazy man, John? And uh, at one point in their conversation, Erin prayed quietly in the quiet of her heart. And she said, God, if you have anything to say about John, would you have Ursula say it? And I kid you not, the next thing out of Ursula's mouth was, have you thought about John Foley? Because on your way over here today, I had, the vision, I had a vision of the two of you together. Now, I, I love Ursula Engel. But whenever we can seek and see the hand of God in, in precious relationships, there's nothing like it. Bill and Ursula were incredi- incredible mentors to Aaron and I uh, early in our relationship, and they helped us as, as we led the all-church prayer on Tuesday nights at our, at our first church, Park Avenue United Methodist, right in the, the hood of South Minneapolis. And uh, peep, young women would often tell Ursula, Bill is such a nice guy, I want to marry someone like Bill. And Ursula would say, Now, people don't realize that he wasn't always like this. I've had to train him to be the man he is today. (laughs) I've been reminded of this phrase many times by my wife. And she still has a lot of training to do. Maybe there's some brides here today that think uh, they can relate with that. Well, we want to welcome you here to... uh, To week two of our series, Submit on Marriage, I want to give you the, the big idea today, the big idea that God's call for marriage and all our relationships is to follow Christ's example of submission and receive the glory of God. Follow along as I read our scripture today found in Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ Now, I have a disclaimer right off the bat here. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I'm not married or, or whatever, this sermon is not for me, hang on, people. There is a bigger picture here than just marriage. The bigger picture is Christ and the church and that our attitude should be to one another out of mutual service. Marriage is a metaphor of the bigger reality of how we are to submit and receive the love of Christ in all our relationships. And it goes on uh, after this passage in verse 32 at the end of this passage, this is a great mystery speaking about marriage, husbands and wives. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so why is it so important? It's important because if we can live our Christian lives in our marriage in those relationships closest to us, then we can live it anywhere. Amen. And so when we look at the metaphor, the context of marriage in this short series, know that this is really for all of us. That the bigger picture is how we can live surrendered lives of faith in the whole family of God. And so if we want to follow God's call for marriage in all our relationships, first of all, if you're writing notes, first of all, redeem our understanding and call to submission. Let's just acknowledge, okay? These, these are hard words, right? These are hard words to hear. These are hard words to preach. Pray for me, right? Whenever we come across scripture, it's really important to, to do what we did in, uh, in, in seminary is in the study of hermeneutics to interpret the passage. We need to do a two-step hermeneutic. What did it mean in the cultural context of its day? And what does it mean for us today? It's always important to do that. And we need to start by understanding that Paul lived in a world where women were not only regarded as lesser beings, but as impure. Because of their natural cycle, they were often a threat to men's purity. And instead of rejecting the wife at times of technical impurity, the husband is commanded here to cherish and take care of her, to look after her, to let her know at all times that she is loved and valued, and that is radical in that time of, of that context. And so if we read this passage and we're offended, we're hurt, we're angry, we're confused, we need to remember that we always need to filter the word of God through our broken sin, pain, and separation from God. And this is not here what many of us experience Hurtful, broken, earthly relationships. What the submission is talking about is not uh, the submission of of our broken world. It's not justifying abusive, manipulative, mean-spirited, male, superior behavior. Well, what do we learn about godly submission? First of all, it's the pattern of Christ. Christ. One of my favorite quotes is from Andrew Murray. And he says, the chief principle of Christ is self-sacrifice to God for man. This is the chief principle of who Christ is, of why he came. John 12 says people are wanting to follow Jesus. If you want to follow me, you got to be like the grain of wheat that dies to itself into the ground to produce new life. If we want to follow Christ And its essence is to learn to die to ourselves. What did Jesus do? He gave up himself. He went to the cross to die for us, to save us. Men, we're here to to love our wives like Christ loved the church. And it says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Again, our big idea today is God's call for marriage in all our relationships is to follow Christ's example of submission and receive the glory of God. So we have to follow the pattern of Christ. Secondly, it's mutual submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not a one-way street of submission. It's a lifestyle of trying to outdo one another in brotherly love, in godly love, and unconditional love. And why? Because the love of God compels us to follow his pattern, to try and outdo one another, in serving one another, And it's done in a way that brings glory to God, good to others, and to ourselves. You see, self-denial, according to Jesus, is the only road to self-fulfillment. He says, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. There's a lot of good and a lot of love in that kind of self-denial there, isn't there? You should love your wives like you love yourself. He's not saying, it's not saying self-denial is self-contempt. You see, for many centuries in the church, they've, they've got it wrong. And it's not, self-denial is not woe is me. It's not self-hatred. It's not an overvalue of suffering or taking no pleasure in the good gifts of God. Self-denial is the path of love. It's the best way of self-fulfillment. It's bowing before God and one another and recognizing our selfishness, our pride, our stubborn hearts, confessing our sin, and acknowledging God's greatness and glory. I like to say that if we're we're truly submitting, we're following the I'm third principle. I'm third principle is God first, other second, I'm third. My, my oldest daughter, Gabby, can't be here today because she's going with a cousin to a, an inner city sports camp, and their, their church is fundraising today. And this inner city sports camp is an amazing camp. It's called Kids Across America, down near Branson, Missouri. I went there for like 13 years bringing kids. And the whole theme of the camp is I'm Third. They have a, they're run by a foundation called the I'm Third Foundation. It's wonderful to be in that midst of like, yeah, it's not about me, right? It's about God, others, myself, third. Peter Larson uh, grew up in, in my home church. He was a couple years behind me. I, I mentored him a little bit, and to no credit to me, he went on to to uh, be be a real great leader in like marriage ministry. For a season, he was second um, in charge at Prepare & Rich, which is a local ministry that helps, uh, helps pastors and counselors walk through couples and premarital assessment. It's what we use here, and many churches use that. And uh, in my former, um, my former church plant, Peter and his wife Heather came and spoke on this passage, and they've written books on, on marriage and parenting, and uh, one image they had really stuck with Aaron and I, and he said that submitting is essentially yielding. Now, we know on the road, right, it's very important to yield. When we come to a stop sign, when we come to a yield, when we come to oncoming traffic, it is very important to yield to the existing traffic. Or it doesn't go well for us, does it? The same is true in our key relationships. We need to submit. We need to yield. We are not called to run over one another, to lord over one another, To put our way first. We are called to to submit, to yield, to put others above ourselves. That is the, the heartbeat of healthy, godly, good relationships. But why is it we get so worked up in marital and in key relationships? Why is it so hard? If you're like me, from time to time, you keep lists you shouldn't keep, right? And then you stupidly say something about that list. Don't follow the great scripture of 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, yeah. Man, why did I say that? But we say hurtful things out of insecurity. We feel deeply offended or hurt, rejected by the one who's supposed to to love and cherish us. It's hard. It's hard stuff. A couple months back, I got together with a, a New Hope couple at a coffee shop, and uh, the husband was, was seriously uh, contemplating a career change, and this was bringing up fears and insecurities in the mind and heart of his bride. And I gave them an exercise that I think is real helpful in making big decisions. It's a four quadrant exercise where you, you write out not just pros and cons, you write out uh, what are the truths what are the assumptions, what are the limitations, and what are the conclusions or tasks to be done? It's very helpful to just break down those things and think through big decisions, and they did that, and yet at the end of that, uh, they were still worlds apart on their thinking of that, so we, we got together, and as she began to, to share more of her fears and insecurities about this change and what that would look like, he, be, he began to, to just really feel deeply offended by those fears and take it personally and feel really wounded as the provider of the family. And then something happened, I've never had happen, uh, while counseling a couple, he got up and walked out of the coffee shop. Like, okay, okay. And actually, he apologized uh, right after. Um, I love this couple. I said, you know what? This is, a, this is a wonderful opportunity to die to ourselves. Life gives us these situations to die to ourselves, to not take things so personally, be committed to fight for our wives, for our children, for our families. This turned out to be a great opportunity to walk through and say, hey, it's not about us, Right? It's about submitting and yielding and walking through and hearing one another. God's call for marriage and all our relationships is to follow Christ's example of submission and receive the glory of God. What do we do in the heat of an argument? I think we can do five simple things, right? First of all, we can breathe, okay? Oxygen is always good for the brain. Secondly, say a quick prayer right? Just say, Lord, have mercy. I love James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's just a simple pattern. Just, God, Lord, have mercy. Help, help us, right? Number three, remember your only boast and value is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. If we're in Jesus, we have died to ourselves, and he has come. It's, it's about him, so learning, hey, my only boast should be about me, so I shouldn't be deeply offended. What, what, what's really at the heart of this? Number four, guard your tongue. That's a big one, right? Honor, cherish your spouse. Don't use the excuse, well, I'm Italian. Or for me, I'm Irish. Baloney, I'm a child of God. And I am charged to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And fifth, just set an appropriate time for a conversation. If you're like me, you go to bed early and you get up. And so I'm not going to have a conversation, a deep conversation at 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to say, value that. Say, hey, this is important. Let's set some time tomorrow. Let's, let's talk this out. All right? It doesn't go well if we try and have a deep discussion. Like how I said our way to God. Secondly, we need to re- revel in the glory of God. If we will submit then we can see God's glory in our marriage, in our deep relationships. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says this, For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. This was one of my daughter Faith's memory verses this week, and it just struck me. It just struck me. Um, Leading up to Easter, we were just experiencing a lot of spiritual warfare, was having a lot of conversations with people about just real evil in their life over their life that they opened themselves up to. And so when it came to Easter and the warfare we were seeing, more than any other Easter before, I was like, wow, Jesus, you took on the weight of all this darkness, of all this evil. You took on the weight of this when you went to the cross so that we can be rescued from darkness and brought into your marvelous light. And as I look at the scripture, rebellion is like the sin of divination. It's talking about King Saul who rebelled against God and didn't follow all of his instruction. So what it's saying is like to not follow God, to rebel God, even in little ways, is like calling on dead spirits. That's deep. To rebel against God is like opening yourselves up To evil spirits. And arrogance, being prideful, is like idolatry. That's humbling. When it comes to our marriage relationships, to all our relationships, we need to be on guard. A rebellious spirit, an arrogant spirit, a spirit of offense is just a hook of the enemy to pull us away from God and one another. It's like Bob Dylan's song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. It might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. If we're rebelling against God, if we're not serving God, we're just opening ourselves up to the enemy. And I don't know about you, I don't wanna do that for me personally. I don't wanna do that in my marriage, I don't wanna do my family and my church. Paul Tripp is a Christian psychologist and author, and he has a vivid illustration of of intimacy in marriage. He points out how foolish it is to make the end goal of marriage about physical pleasure. And that's a temptation for, I think, primarily for men to think, wow, the physical pleasure of marriage, right? He says everything in marriage, including sex, everything in life is meant to lead to the glory of God. He said, if we make it about the physical pleasure, it's like him taking his family on a vacation to Disney World. And they're driving down the freeway and the first uh, billboard sign they see for Disney World, they pull off right there and they vacation right there. They don't go all the way to the Magic Kingdom. That's what it's like to make marriage, or anything about sex or physical. All good gifts sell ourselves short. Yes, this can be a good gift. All good gifts from God in his way are good gifts. But we're meant to go on to the glory of God. Through his goodness, God has so much more if we're willing to submit to him and then experience his glory. Minneapolis Public Radio did a survey a few years ago of of satisfaction uh, in couples, and they found that the hardest time of marriage was in the 40s, um, dealing with, with young kids and stuff, and the most satisfying came in the late 50s and 60s. You've been through life, you've experienced a lot, and yet if you've worked on it, there's good rewards. I think for believers, this is key, because I think for believers who have been through life And are in this stage of life that you can say, wow, God has been so good. Yes, we've experienced hard things and trials, but God has been faithful. God is good. His love never fails. This is what we saw in baptisms. You heard a little bit about it from Kelly, but we heard amazing testimony after amazing testimony how God is radically changing people, bringing them from nothingness and anger and emptiness to the peace of God. And as we heard these testimonies of 14 people being baptized, you just heard, that's the glory of God, church. That's his presence. There's nothing like Jesus. There's nothing like his peace in our life. There's nothing like his glory in a marriage. The reality of this marriage scripture says that we're to be loving our wives in such a way that brings a holiness, a perfect love, the glory of God in our home and marriage. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Don't ask, will our marriage work? Ask, how will I work at our marriage? That's intentional living. That's intentional submitting to God and to one another. And then we can see the glory of God. I uh, got to go to, to Willard's on Friday for a breakfast date with my wife, and it was a wonderful way to start the day. And I love teasing our youth pastor, Justin Domino, because he was talking about how expensive a dinner was with his bride, Maddie. And I said, man, I paid about a quarter of the price that you did. I said, just tell her, Maddie, I love you. And I just can't wait till tonight to take you out. I got to take you out right now. But how are we going to walk in this? How are we going to submit to one another? How are we going to fight for our marriages, for our families, for our loved ones? How do you want to put this into practice? God's call for marriage and all our relationships is to follow Christ's example of submission and to receive the glory of God. Learn from one another. Encourage one another This is why living in community, growing in groups is so important. The enemy wants to isolate us. God wants to pull us together so we can fight for our marriages, fight for our families. Do something this week to see the glory of God. Do something, and when you see it, say, Jesus, there you are. Seek him. God, show me how to to love someone more than myself. And then when you see it, revel in his glory. God, there you are. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Bring more of that, God. Bring more of that. Remember, it's not about you. It's about his glory. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your presence here today. We just thank you, God, uh, Lord, for marriages from you. And God, we can't do it in our human nature. We can't live the way that you want us to live without you. And so, God, we submit to you. And Lord, we just bring all our selfish pride, Lord. We bring our brokenness before you today, Father. We just pray this altar will be in my marriage. Have your way in my relationships. I want the glory of God. Father, forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for the hurtful things we've done. Lord, have mercy for the hurtful things that have been done against us. I just thank you that you're a great redeemer, Jesus. You can redeem all things. Lord, redeem this, this pattern of submission to follow you, Jesus, and to let your glory shine. We thank you and praise you in your mighty name. Amen.